So just before we finish up today's show, I want to let you know about my next group program, my health kickstart and detox. The best way to start diving into your health, if this is what you're doing and my podcast is motivating you to get started, is to start looking at nutrition, the right way to eat for your body and understanding that, as well as digestion, because you are what you absorb and not just what you eat. And so I teach how to ensure your digestive system is even turned on so that you can benefit from the food that you're putting into your body, as well as sugar. Where is it sneaking into your diet, even when you're trying to be careful? Unfortunately, it's in everything these days, and so it does tend to sneak in. So I combine all of this learning in a group program for support for you, along with setting you up for success on your detox program providing recipes and meal plans, etc., so that you can truly enjoy the benefits of getting those toxins out. I've never had someone get to the end of my program and go, gee, I wish I didn't do that. Instead, I get to hear all of their amazing success stories like, wow, my, I have such mental clarity now. My aches and pains are gone. I'm sleeping better. My bloating and gas and indigestion is gone. So I love hearing that. It motivates me to keep sharing with others because I truly do believe when we get the toxins out, when we create a body that is inhospitable to disease and we make it a lifestyle, that we can get rid of the chronic illness that we have in our world today. So click the show notes to learn more about the program. The link is there. And if you have any questions, book a call with me so we can chat and figure out, is this the right program for you? I look forward to hearing from you. Imagine getting up every day full of energy as if you were in your 20s again. What would that be like? What would that be worth to you? What is your health worth to you? Think about it. Your health isn't everything, but without it, everything else is nothing. And yet too many of us are taking it for granted until something goes wrong. No one wakes up hoping to be diagnosed with a disease or chronic illness. And yet we've never been taught how to be proactive in our health through our school system or public health. As a registered health coach and integrative health practitioner, I believe it is time this information is made available to everyone. Combining new knowledge around your health and the ability to do my functional medicine lab tests in the comfort of your own home will allow you to optimize your health for today and all your tomorrows. Don't wait for your wake up call. Welcome back to another episode of the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. I am Melissa Dealey, your host, and today I have the wonderful Sarah Im with me here to share her story. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you for having me, Melissa. I'm excited to have you here and have you share your story because it is such a wonderful story of human resilience, of hope. And let me just introduce a little bit of it to the audience, and then I'm going to have you share it in your own words. Okay. But Sarah Im grew up in Cambodia, where she overcame four years of captivity and mass genocide that claimed two million lives. That is all I need to share because I want you to tell your story in your words. Thank you, Melissa. Yeah, um, to be fair, I'll, I'll start from the beginning. Please I, do. 
Yeah, I I grew up in Cambodia for for our audience or listener that never know where Cambodia be. It's next door to Thailand, Vietnam, and Laos. And I grew up in the countryside as a a uh, the kid of the farmers. I I was a firstborn child. You can imagine how much love I received. So, and my parents encouraged me to stay in school to get higher education. They don't want me to uh, to grow up to be a farmer. They know it. The life is very hard, very difficult. So, with that in mind, as soon as I can, I went off to college. And college is in a capital city, far away from home. That means. I left my family behind and I went to pursue my higher education. Unfortunately, while I was away from from home, unfortunate thing happened to Cambodia. That when the communist Khmer Rouge took over our country, they came in with military takeover. They have the military truck and soldier with automatic weapons and we were so fearful and they immediately shut down the whole country complete shutdown that means nothing was open including the transportation and the post office so i have no way to reach out to my family i cannot go home so I just want to stop you there for a minute because we've just come out of a pandemic where the population all over the world is aware of, is aware of the shutdowns that we had through the pandemic. But what you're describing is even more than what we experienced during the pandemic. You are right, Melissa. Yes, the the shutdown in Cambodia at that time, it's a total, total shutdown. There is no exception. Here in in our country right now, at least we have the grocery store to go to. At least we have the hospital that open to receive the patient and so on and so forth. But when they shut down in Cambodia, there's nothing. Nothing was open, including the bank. The bank, imagine you have the credit card to use, but you can't use it because nothing is it's open you can't access your money you can't access food you can't as you said send a message to your family to let them know that you're safe or find out how they're doing and you can't get home short of walking maybe i don't know could did they have checkpoints so you couldn't even walk i could not even walk because the I, I was too far away. Too far away. And again, no food. You can't walk very far on an empty stomach. Yeah, yeah. I was 350 miles away. Right. I cannot walk far that too far. far. Yes, exactly. Yes. Right. So uh, they evacuate the population from all the city. And the evacuation is not a drastic, traumatic event because we have to leave everything behind and mm-hmm. we have no clue where are we going where right. so we we went out 
to nowhere without knowing. And we end up sleeping on the ground and eating the little food that we carry from home. And then once it's gone, it's gone. We will be hungry. It is very dramatic. And I end up in a forced labor camp, controlled by armed God. They got us with their automatic weapon all the time. And they push us to work extremely hard, like 16 hours a day in the intense heat. The heat in Cambodia is on the average about 95 to 100 degree. And we, we, we work under that sun and we was exhausted mm -hmm. and starved. We received very little food and no time to sleep. We had only a few hours of sleep every night, no rest. So we end up getting sick. Mm -hmm. Getting sick because you as a health professional, you know, if you don't have enough sleep, you don't have enough rest and no, not enough food, you will be sick. Absolutely. Your energy sources are gone and your immune system takes a lot of energy. So you don't have the energy to have a strong immune system anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And just how old were you at this point? I know you had started at university. Were you 18, 19, 20, 21? I know very young, but what age? I was 21. I was 21. 21. Okay. Um, yeah. So when I become too sick to work, Mm -hmm. They sent me to an infirmary waiting to die because there is no doctor, no no medication to help me to get better. In fact, they they eliminate the doctors and the nurse and all the educated. So I did not get any help there and I realized I need to do something to get out of that place because if I stay, I will get sicker and get, you know, contract more disease from other people. So I know that might that I cannot stay in that uh, in that place too long. But where would I go? Mm -hmm. If I go back to the working place, I cannot work. They will not let me stay there. If I run away from the whole place. Where can I go? There, there's a armed guard all over. Anyway, so I realized I don't have any option. I cannot do anything by my own. So I started praying. At that time, I believed that there is God. And I pray and I ask God to help me. God, please, please help me to survive. So I keep praying every night. And then one morning when I woke up very early than usual, and I realized I have a little extra energy, maybe I can sneak out. And that's what I did. I sneaked out from there. I went to the working place. And fortunately enough, I met this young team leader, and she kind of feels sympathy for me, and she tried to help me out. So she talked to the people in the kitchen and and asked them to see if they can use me. And they did. That was my life-saving activity right there. That's how I survived the first time. 
and I stay and I work in the kitchen, it's just like like winning the lottery because everybody else staff to that working in the intense heat long hour and I got to work in the kitchen in the shade. I got more access to food. So all in all, I am a, in a better position. So I start to gain energy, feel a little better, better and every day. So eventually I gain myself, back. I, I gain more energy and I start to gain weight. I become almost normal again. So when they saw me look normal, they pull me out from the kitchen and throw me back into the right field again. But anyway, at least I get that time to recover myself. So I cannot complain much more than that because without that time to rest in the kitchen, I would not be here talking to you. Right. Yeah. So after four years living in this camp, they they start to move the camp. There was something going on in the distance and they know something, which I don't know. Can so I they just, move us. Can I just they interrupt move. you before you go on to the moving? I just wanted to get a timeline perspective of how long you were in the kitchen, if you remember. And was that in the first year or in the second year? I know you were there for four years altogether. At what time in that four years were you able to work in the kitchen and regain your health? If I remember correctly, almost the end of the first year, I okay. was in the kitchen and mm-hmm. I stayed there for about several months. Okay. Yeah. And then after that, you were put back into the fields and you stayed for almost three more years working in the fields in the intense heat, 16 hours a day with almost no food. Yes. Yes. But you were able to maintain your health and energy through that time. Maybe not perfectly, but you didn't get sent back to the infirmary. Well, I got sent back, but I sneak out again. There's a ah. couple of time, a couple of time because I know my way. So, <laughs> so back and forth a few times. Right. Because okay. I, I refuse to stay in the infirmary. Right. Yeah. Good for you. Good mm-hmm. for you. Okay. So after four years, they started to move the camp. Yeah. Yeah. They move. They move. In the, the direction to the jungle. When I realized that we are closer and closer into the big jungle, and I was so disappointed because my in my mind, I was hoping that they still stay close to the main national road. It's easy for me to, you know, escape and mm-hmm. go to find my family. But when I realized we are going to the jungle, so at this time, I am more determined than ever that I need to I need to escape in order to for me to get out of this captivity and to find my family. So I decided to to escape, and I gathered three close friends. I asked them to escape with me, and they agree to come to come with me. So four of us, we wait until nighttime. And we we escaped. It was a very risky escape. But 
we rather we rather die than living in in that situation. So uh, thank goodness, God must have directed us that that we didn't get lost in the jungle, and we found our way out from there. And when the the morning come, we look at each other's face and we just laugh and we know that we are free. We are free. So what an it incredible just, feeling that must have been. Incredible, incredible. So uh, from there, we keep walking without knowing the direction, but we try to, to trace back where we came from. Mm-hmm. So that's what we were trying. And then as soon as we saw some people, we, we asked for direction to go to my hometown. Mm-hmm. So uh, follow the direction. And finally, after a long, 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 long walk, I got to my hometown and tracked down my family. Eventually, I found them. Do you recall how many days of walking you had to go through? Must be at least a couple of weeks. Wow. Yeah, it's a long walk. And you would have been having to somehow get food during that time and water. Yeah, we we stopped by some uh, some people in the village along the way and we asked for help and they were kind. And you know, there's something that I need to tell the 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 listener right now. The whole country had been liberated for four months before I escaped. Wow. So that's why when we got out from the jungle, nobody really cared. Right. To, to, to push us back into captivity again. Right. Because they are already free. Mm-hmm. And that's why people were able to help you and you um, weren't at risk of asking the wrong people for help. So how soon after you escaped did you discover that the country had already been liberated for four months? We didn't know. We didn't know until we got to find my family. Ah. But but we were just so amazed why people did not stay in the captivity like we right. did. right. Yeah, yeah. Right. But my family, my my mom told me that my dad went out on his bicycle every day looking for me. Hmm. He, he keep asking people, have you seen my daughter? Have you seen my daughter? Everywhere. Nobody saw me. And my family thought that I was dead. Mm-hmm. That must have been very hard on them, too. Yeah, yeah. And I, I found them when I was extremely skinny. Mm-hmm. I was just skin and bone. I was look like, I look like a ninety five years old woman. And you're twenty five now. Yeah, yeah, just just skin and bone. Yeah, but from there, my mom pampered me with her wonderful organic food. <laughs> organic vegetable that she planted in the in her backyard and all that she nurtured me back to good health again it took more than a year for me to to recover to almost like myself again 
I bet because you'd had already four years of being starved and overworked. And then you had two weeks or more of walking. And again, a lot of energy expended to do all of that walking and not enough food. You were just dependent on the kindness of strangers to give you extra. Yeah. 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 So I finally regained my hug. There was like a woman's cycle. I -hmm. didn't have it for four years and then another year. Right. Total of five years. Yes. That I didn't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from there, we tried to rebuild a new life. And uh, and then my mom realized that our life is still in danger. Uh, the whole country was in a chaotic situation. We don't have anything, no infrastructure, nothing. So it it will be harmful, like dangerous for me as a young single woman. So she encouraged me to escape out of Cambodia. At, at that time, there's no airplane, no bus line yet. So I cannot get a ticket to fly out. I, the way that we want to get out is to escape through the border of Thailand. Mm-hmm. Remember I told that uh, Cambodia is next door to Thailand. So Yes. That's, that's how I went, went through, you know, walked through the border that filled with landmines. But, but again, God protected us. That. And when you say us, was it your whole family with you or the friends that had escaped with you? I had one, uh, my, my mom's cousin mm-hmm. went along with me. Right. So two of us. And we also wait for other people that have a goal to cross the border also. So a few of us cross together, together, cross the border together. And And the landmines were on the Cambodia side, I presume. Once you got into Thailand, then you were free and there was no more landmines on the Thailand side, correct? Yeah, the the landmine is right at the border. I don't know who put it, but... um, it's right at the border to, to stop separate. to try and stop you escaping. Yeah, to yeah. separate the, the country. Right. So I, um, as soon as I cross over to Thailand, um, I found a refugee camp that was set up by the United Nations, mm-hmm. and I register as a refugee and make connection with my relative in United States, and that's how. How I come to United States, he he sponsored me to come. Yeah. And what year was that? Nineteen eighty one. Right. I I left Cambodia in nineteen eighty, and mm-hmm. I got here late eighty one. Right. Yeah. If you're enjoying my content and someone that wants to step into being proactive in your health and learning more, I would love to invite you to join my membership community. There's a link in the show notes for only $19.99 a month. You get access to all of my content and there's a lot as well as weekly calls that you can come and get your health questions answered. It's truly priceless. I'd love to see you join the community. Check out the link in the show notes. And once you got to Thailand, I presume you were able to get messages to your family that you were there safely or was it not safe for your family 
to be it's not, there, there's still no no post office there's no right. way to to send the and then oh one time there's somebody that need to go back to Cambodia and I found out and I sent a letter through them so that's how my 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 family know that I make it across the border right yeah right and then in all the years since 1981 have you been able to go back and visit your family have one they, time one time and have one they time. been able to come to the united states at all yeah my mom and all my three brothers came mm -hmm. um, they they left cambodia about three four years after i did mm -hmm. but they got stuck in the border for five years. Oh. Five years. I was working very hard to try to bring them over. There, there's some complication. By the time they get out from the country, they, the refugee camp was closed. They, right. they, they stopped receiving more, more refugees. Right. So that made the complication. Um, right. Yeah. But eventually, they was able to come to the United States nine years, no, eight years later. Okay. Yeah. So 1989. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And as you said earlier, you've been back to Cambodia only one time. One time. The 2015, after oh. 35 years after I left Cam yeah. Uh, Cambodia. Yeah. And just share a little bit about what that experience was like going back. It was a mixed feeling, but mm -hmm. the most exciting of all is I got to see my relative. Yes. I have a lot of cousins, aunts, um, and my dad was still there. He didn't come. And so Only, you got to see your dad? Yeah, I went to see my dad. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. Yes. So talk to me. I mean, this is such a traumatic experience for a young woman to go through. And, you know, looking at who you are today, I know that this experience has built you into the incredible human being you are today. Thank you. And talk to me about some of the core values that supported you through your darkest times that allowed you to be here telling your story today, whereas others unfortunately perished. Yeah, I I had many time to reflect back to my life. What was it that kept me strong? I believe the love from my family. Um, as the firstborn child, I was loved, and I didn't get to talk about when my mom got sick. When I was a teenager, my mom had an accident and she became paralyzed. Mm. And she was lifeless, uh, lifeless, just, just lay flat on her back and I was the caregiver. During that time, I, I love my family, my mom so much that I would do anything to help her to get back on her feet again. So I did not care for her with resentment, right. not anger, not, not boring or anything. I love her. And I realized that's the time that I built bond with my mom. 
we love each other and we know that we love each other so much. So that strong love also helped me during my difficult time. Love as a child and love during my my caring for mom. Mm -hmm. And also, also my goal, my purpose. My purpose is not for me to survive just for myself. It's to survive so I can go back home to help out. So the the purpose that we have, it had to have like a broader, broader goal or purpose than just being yourself. Right. It's bigger than you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And love yes. is such a powerful emotion. Yes. Like, yes. You know, we're both in purple today and we were kind of laughing at the beginning of the coincidence of that and talking about how it's one of the high frequency colors, right? And mm -hmm. love is one of the high frequency energies. And we're all energy beings. And when we're in that high frequency energy place, more healing can happen. Yes, yes. It was not only driving your mother's physical healing, but your mental and emotional healing to keep you strong mm -hmm. during the time that you were a captive in the concentration camp. Yes, yes. There's so many study that was done here in United States. You know, study about like they interview the people that got wheeled into the the surgery, and they ask them, "Do you you have somebody that really loves you, or you really love them? Do you belong to a community that you can share your your goal, your passion, your thought?" And the people that say yes, a majority of them make it through. Yes. And the, the one that say no, very little, very small amount of them that make it through. Yeah. yeah. It's very true. I heard a statistic recently at a um, breast connection community that I attended. And I heard that for women with breast cancer that are going through breast cancer, that if they lower their stress, we have to lower our stress in order for the body to get into a healing state mm -hmm. and they're part of a community, their risk of death from the cancer is reduced by 75%. So you're exactly that. right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So love, as well as having a uh, purpose that is bigger mm -hmm. than just yourself. Mm -hmm. What else? Hope. hope, hope, yes. Not once I ever give up hope, never. I always think that things will change. Things will change. I will be back home. So that's all. That's all I thought about. I never thought about not making it. No. And also have faith. I believe that there is God that's watch out on us and I pray ask God to help me and I believe I believe in I believe that there is God so have strong faith yes and one more thing that I uh, would like to mention is the uh, the relationship among the people in the the same camp mm -hmm. I make the sisterhood among those people right. and we just kind of support one another we help each other yeah that's beautiful again there's your community yeah 
right? We're never supposed to do this alone as humans. We all do need community. Yes. Even and when I escape. So then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are right. And why I when I escape, I didn't do it alone. Right. I escaped with three of my friends. Yes. Yeah. And just out of interest, are you still in touch with those three friends today? Well, they live with us for one year. Mm-hmm. And then they move on to try to find their own family. Right. Yeah. So since I so left... They the all needed to recover and heal just like you did. And it took that year for them to be able to do that. And yeah. then they went to find their own families. Yeah, yeah. So when I left to escape, they also left my family. Right, right. Yeah. And so I love these lessons that you're sharing. The power of love, the power of hope, the power of faith, and the power of having a bigger purpose. Even without the trauma that you went through, these are powerful lessons for anybody listening to this podcast today. Yes, yes. I talk to people in the health journey that if you have the hope that you can heal, you will heal. Yes. If you don't have hope, you won't heal. End of story. And that's the power of our own mind. Yes. Right. And it comes down to that very simple saying, whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right by Henry. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Have that faith that have that faith that it will happen. Exactly. To know, to trust, to have faith that it will happen. So just share a little bit about the power of this positive perspective that you created for yourself. And how do you use it in your everyday life now? I know purposeful living is important to you. Yes, purposeful living is one thing. And the power of positive perspective is another thing. It's very powerful because the situation is the situation, it's the real, it's reality. But how we see it, it's, it makes a big difference. If you see it as a negative, it's the negative energy. But if you, you find the goodness in it, you will find the positive energy from, from it. So it, to make it easy, I'll give an example. Mm-hmm. I have an accident a few years back the car accident and it was my fault and I didn't see the red light and I went through it and I caused the accident and that made me blame myself and be angry at myself and my car was destroyed and all that and then I got wake up to my son and say hey wait a minute hold on it's only the car it's only the car that I lost I'm still alive. I still did not get hit very badly that I become disabled. So that's the positive thing that I'm still I'm still alive. I'm still mm-hmm. in good shape. So mm-hmm. that's that's the power of perspective. We can always find something positive about any situation. Yes. Sometimes we have to step back from it for a minute to have a little bit of space 
but yes, to find the positive in any situation. Another way that I like to share that is to question, how is this happening for me? Because that gets you out of the state of being a victim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure when you looked at the positive perspective, it fueled you to know that it's not your time to leave this earth. There's still more that you are supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so that probably led you into purposeful living. Yep. 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 And another simple, simple example is that when you see the glass at half full, Yes. We see the glass is half full. It's not half empty. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So talk to me as well about gratitude and forgiveness and your practice of gratitude and forgiveness in your life. Yes. uh, Gratitude is very powerful. That's another form of perspective. Mm -hmm. You, You appreciate, we appreciate what we have. If we don't appreciate what we have, we only see the negative thing. Mm-hmm. So how do I see, how can I appreciate what I have in the forced labor camp? Well, here what I saw. I saw at least I have my friends. I have friends in the camp that mm. support me, that help me when I need help. And also at least they did not beat me up every day, torture me. And at least I am still alive. I didn't get killed. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the power of gratitude. I'm grateful that I'm still alive. I'm grateful that I still have my friends around me. And so when we look for gratitude, look for something that is a blessing. Mm-hmm. It's something positive. The same, similar to the perspective. Yes. That we have, have to be grateful. And how do we forgive? Yes. Forgiveness is big. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is the key to give us opportunity to love again. If if we cannot forgive, we cannot have enough room in our heart to love again. So... It's that powerful. It is very, very powerful. And it allows you to not be a victim. It allows you to forward, leaving the victimhood behind, which allows you to, again, focus on the positive perspective and be able to step into a place of gratitude. Yeah, yeah. When when you uh, forgive, you have to forgive yourself also. I have to forgive myself because most of the time we just beat up ourselves right so just like when I had an accident I beat myself up I'm just so angry at myself and then I come to my son and say wait a minute (laughs) so nobody is perfect so including ourselves we Mm -hmm. we cannot be perfect all the time so we have to forgive ourselves and what about forgiving the people that were having you work 16 hours a day and guarding you with the automatic weapons, et cetera, and starving you. Talk to me just about giving forgiveness to them, because that's what I think there might be some listeners thinking that I don't know how to forgive the other person. Yeah. And 
That's a big one. It's a big one. So I would love for you to share that to help other people listening be able to forgive others. The, that's the big and a very difficult one. Very difficult to forgive. But I'm I'm looking at this this way. I'm looking at that these people follow the order from from the above. They mm-hmm. just follow the order. If they don't do it, their life is in danger. Mm-hmm. So when I look at that way, I was able to find a way to forgive them. Right. Just, yeah. Right. And also, sometimes when we forgive, it isn't necessarily condoning the behavior of the other person. It's no. simply forgiving the situation in order to release yourself from the victimhood. Yes, yes, because if we don't forgive, we we stay at the a stage of anger. Yes. Resentful, bitterness. Yeah. That that's not a state that we want to be in no. at any time. No, exactly. No. And the way to move through that is forgiveness. Yeah, it have you have to find the reason why um find something that you are able to forgive them. Sometimes you have to pray and ask God to help you to forgive. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes that that hurdle is too big for yes. you to handle yourself. Yes. You have to yes. pray and ask God to for help. And that it may take time. It doesn't just happen overnight. Yes. yes but knowing that you can... With help and support is important for people. Yeah, to pray and with the intention that we want to forgive, but just cannot find a way to forgive at this time. Just keep praying and, and asking. And then you will be given the way. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing your story, for having the courage to share it. I'm sure it's still painful every time you share it, but I know that you know that every time you share it, somebody is out there that hears it, that needs to hear it, and that you inspire them on their journey and wherever they are at in their life. And so thank you for being willing to do that. And I want to ask you, as I ask all of my guests on the show, what does don't wait for your wake-up call mean to you? Don't wait for your wake-up call. For me, it's this, we have to take our own initiative. Be proactive. That's the, the key word. Be proactive. You don't have to wait until somebody tells you to do something. Like, I had to run away. I had to escape out of the jungle. It's my own initiative that I really like, really know that if I don't do it, nobody will do it for me. So in in our life, in any situation, we have to take our own initiative. I love that. Thank you. Now, I know you've actually written an award-winning book called How I Survived the Killing Fields. Please share a little bit about your book and then how people can get in touch with you. I know that you're an international speaker and uh, people might want to have you speak at their events, etc. How can people get in touch with you? 
Sure. Thank you for asking about my book. My book is called How I Survived the Killing Fields, A Story of Hope, Love, and Determination. That's what it is. I did not give the, the straight lesson of anything. It my story, it flow, it's um it's 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 my journey. So a lot of my readers, they found it very inspiring for them because some of them is going through very difficult situation, health issue, mental issue, whatever situations they found relief. So I'm so grateful, grateful, my gratitude, grateful that I was able to get that out, put in the in the book form to share. So uh, people can find that book on my website only. It's not on Amazon. My website is my first name and last name, sarahim.com, S-A-R-A-I-M.com and slash book. And I love to speak, to share my journey and some of the lessons that I learned that I found it was very helpful for me. So my speaking, um, if, if you would like to reach me for speaking engagement, you can also find me on my website, sarahm.com. And I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that, Sarah. And I'll make sure all of that is in the show notes as well. And... Is there any last message you would like to leave the audience as we wrap up this episode? Last word I want to leave is this. Keep building your own resiliency. Resiliency can carry us through any, any challenge in life. And as we live on this earth, we will meet challenge. As you become resilient, nothing will stop you. Nothing will kill you because the problem can make you stronger because you can overcome any challenge. I love that. Thank you so much for those words of wisdom. And you are just a testament to the the human resilience that we have access to that does allow us to come over, overcome any challenge, like you said. So thank you for being a guest on this show, Sarah. I really have enjoyed having you here. And it's such a powerful story that will touch so many lives. And thank you to my guests who, uh, my listeners, sorry, who tune in and listen every week. If this episode resonates with you and perhaps there's someone in your life that feels like they're burdened with a problem right now that they're struggling to work through, share this episode with them. Introduce them to Sarah's work, her book, her story so that it can give them hope and help build their resilience muscle as well. So thank you, thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you for investing this time with me on the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. I'm so glad you joined in. If you can take two minutes to share this episode with someone you think can benefit and have a positive impact on their life, that would be wonderful. Please leave a review by going to your favorite podcast listening app and let me know what you enjoy or would like to hear more of. 
It will support me in my effort to bring the possibility of natural healing to a wider audience and help disrupt the sick care system we have today and make human health a global priority. Health is your true wealth.